The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one today, Scott Reed is here, CTV political commentator. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. And Pavan Broch is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. Also hanging out, I notice, on social media with another one of our panelists, Laura Babcock. Oh, yes, it's fun. Yeah. Well, I think what a, an incredible household that must be because her son, who is still a teenager, is actually a professional chef now. Ooh, so yeah. I always think she's kind of spoiled rotten. <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch him in action again uh, this Sunday, and it's fun. We don't always agree politically, but we do love Darrow's cooking. So um, a question for you, because I sat down with the chief yesterday, and we ruminated a bit about how, you know, earlier in the year, people were writing all these columns about the city having this sense of disorder and malaise and everything from the homelessness to people on the streets who could be very aggressive to overflowing garbage cans, all of that stuff. And I asked him if he thought that things were better now. And I'll let him speak in his own words. We'll go to that clip a little later on. But I wanted to ask you folks, do you feel safer in the city? And actually, Deb, I'll start with you because we were talking with your husband, Tim uh, Hudak this morning, and he said, you take an Uber downtown because you don't feel comfortable parking and walking to our studios. Yeah, so when uh, last week I was doing the rush, and so I drove down, I parked half block away where I think you probably parked, John, underground, come up, uh, leave here in the dark at six o'clock, um, and I'm fine. But when I come in to do, as I am this week, Jerry's show, and I leave home at 5.30, and so would be parking around six, and it's before really security get going, and no, I will not park in that underground parking garage because I don't feel safe. So I'm spending the money to bring an Uber down uh, just because of the time of day. Yeah. Well, and I will say last week I called security here in our complex because there was a man yelling and screaming in front of our front door. So, yeah, I'd agree with you that it's still kind of a wiggy situation out there. Pavan, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, we, we lived in Toronto for 13 years or so, but we're, you know, we're well out from there now living in the countryside, obviously, but I don't know. I don't feel as threatened, uh, but I don't have the same level of experience. What we do see though is, you know, obviously it, it's chaos and pandemonium to drive there, to get there, um, uh, to do much of anything. And, and, and you have to watch six different directions for bikes and things like that, all of which are obviously part of the city. But uh, I, I do think we, we have to get back to enforcing rules and laws and bylaws for, you know, much more uh, strictly and uh, not, not go to Singapore, but get a little bit more orderly. Yeah. Singapore would be a bit much because you're not even allowed to chew gum there. Uh, Scott Reed. That's right. Well, uh, you know, on this broad question, I mean, the reality is that people are going to reject that which they don't already inherently believe. And it's very hard. Uh, and Pavan says, like, the city feels like it's in disorder because if you drive south of Blur, much less south of, say, college, you encounter chaos. And I think that bleeds over into people's perceptions about everything. And don't forget, it wasn't that long ago that we had day after day after day a report of violent incidents uh, on the subway. I will say personally, now I'm, you know, a heavy set you know, older white dude. So it's a different experience than, say, a young woman. I feel, I, the last few times I've taken the subway, I haven't felt 
that it's quite as chaotic. Um, but look, no public official is going to get anywhere by telling people, listen, everything, the eye test is wrong. What you see and what you feel is wrong. Things are better. It doesn't work that way. People have to feel it's better before you can get credit for it being better. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you, Scott, that I just, my overall gut is telling me that things seem to be a bit better now. And in particular, I mean, when I get on the subway, the problem is the subway doesn't go anywhere. Um, but I don't feel necessarily that there's hostility on the subway the way there was a year ago. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, there is a uh, city councilor in Cambridge that we spoke to just a few minutes ago who says we should take municipal parking lots and turn them into affordable affordable housing while preserving the municipal parking lot. Does that make sense to you, Scott Reed? Uh, maybe. One of the things that's happening is that, you know, invention is, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So you're getting these kinds of, you know, experiments where people are saying, well, let's try this, let's try that. Um, this will work for some in some places, um, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's not any kind of universal solution. I think what's really important is putting the onus on municipal leaders to say, let's look at the stock that we have. Let's look at the tools that are available to us and let's be more creative. That's going to have to be a big part of the solution because as long as it's sort of, a, no, I'm a counselor, I got elected by 61-year-old people who live in their single dwelling home and want to keep life exactly that way, uh, you're never going to get changed. Pomp and Brach, there's more than just parking lots that municipalities own, so maybe we could think a little broader. I mean, frankly, in Toronto, we've got, what, four old city halls that are largely unused. Yeah, I mean, certainly we could rep repurpose those, but I think, you know, sticking with the concept of what they would call air rights, you know, the ability to build above stuff. I mean, there's just endless opportunity. And and I personally have been involved in trying to negotiate something similar with Metrolinks, and it needs to be a lot easier to do. But there there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of physical properties that, that can be built over top of. But, and John, I just want to point out one thing. Hats off to Cambridge. I mean, cities like Cambridge and, and Hamilton, where I pay taxes, are geographically large. So they don't really have public transit options for those who live outside of the main city. And so you look at what Cambridge is doing. They're saying we recognize that people do have to drive and they're probably going to be electric cars in the future. And I and I see in Cambridge that they're not rejecting the concept of driving and parking your car. And they're trying to address, you know, the living the, the living issues or the, or the the lack of affordable housing. So they're doing both. In Hamilton, they're taking parking lots and planning to completely eliminate parking and build affordable housing. Again, I don't have a problem with that part of it, the affordable housing part, but they're rejecting the ability for people to park in the downtown of Hamilton, which is which is causing huge issues. So hats off to Cambridge. Ironically, the, the councillor's name is Scott Hamilton. It was great to listen to him. Yeah. Deb. Build up, build down. Yeah. Right. Like there's no reason for this. We we have to get creative. And the good news is we've gotten so far into a crisis on housing that we are getting creative. The feds, you know, brought forward the old wartime bungalow idea last week or the week before last week, I think. Um, I I just you've mentioned this before, John. I think there's there's a, a very popular high school at Young and Eglinton. Yeah. Uh, that was built on top of a condo. Like why New York City, you see playgrounds, you see schools on top of condos all over the place. There are lots of options for parking below ground, uh, living, you know, retail on the main floor, living above it, and then a public space on top, be it a community center, be it a school, daycare, whatever it is we need. We just have to get out of the mindset that we can't have density 
because we have to have density. Our friend uh, Robert Benzie writing a column today based on a star commissioned poll that says that Bonnie Crombie versus Doug Ford makes things an awful lot more competitive. Uh, Deb, you've given political advice in the past to campaigns. Um, it's worth noting the runway between now and Election Day is so long, it's almost pointless to even talk about this right now. But it's intriguing. It's a nice mental exercise. Sure. And I'm not ever going to pretend that Bonnie isn't a viable contender to Doug Ford, 100%. And um, I've mentioned this before. I think that the problem is for Marit Stiles. Because I do believe this could go back to the traditional race between the liberals and the conservatives come 2026. Mm. No doubt about that. However, let's be really realistic about what the poll says overall, which is the aggregate ballot number is still well in favor of the conservatives, even after the bump that you get coming through a leadership and, and focus on Bonnie Crombie's victory. Although, Scott Reed, I always remember something Mark Tuohy said about Rob Ford when he was running for mayor, which was the only thing Rob Ford needs to become the mayor is the idea that he could become the mayor. And so Bonnie Crombie's place in the poll right now suggests that, uh, as Deb is saying, she could end up upsetting the balance with the NDP at the very least. Yeah, the poll doesn't say that. Like, I, I think I, I want that to be true, but I caution liberals who think that, you know, there's going to be a giant springboard. What this poll tells you is that there's been no statistical difference between before and after Bonnie's election. They're still basically statistically tied with the NDP, far behind the governing conservatives. So it doesn't really tell you, notwithstanding the story, and I love Rob, but that's not what this poll tells you. What this poll tells you is that Doug Ford's negatives have increased, and in particular, he is increasingly vulnerable to the suggestion of cronyism and that he's in it for his pals and that he's lacing somebody's uh, sneakers for them. And I think that is an opportunity for Bonnie Crombie and the Liberals if they can champion and reinforce that. But she's about to face an onslaught of paid media, and her negatives are going to go up as well. So I would just offer a caution for liberals who want to look at this, accept the headline and assume that, you know, they're that they they've are they're halfway to the finish line. They're nowhere. Okay. This poll doesn't tell you anything about Bonnie's impact. That's not true. Well and Pavan, without dwelling on this story forever, um, I want to hear what you have to say. And it is worth noting, as Scott was saying, um, one of the real takeaways in this poll is the negative attributes people attribute to the premier. And you know, they say he's rich and he's out of touch. Yeah, well, I mean, it's partly reinforced by his uh, very public, very open apologies. Uh, so I think, I mean, he stood up and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and all the stories that came in behind it from the Auditor General, et cetera, kind of are connected to that. So I think he's 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 done that. I don't really give Bonnie Crombie much credit for having exposed Doug Ford, really. And in fact, uh, you know, listen, I, I think Bonnie Crombie has, is, is a very competent, intelligent person. And I think, you know, Ontarians need good opposition or good political alternatives alternatives. But so far, other than her initial statement when she started to run to say that I'm going to try and move the party back to the center, which would probably be very good for the party, uh, I don't find that her communications and her uh, ability to kind of establish herself and frankly respond to to Ford's withering criticism of her, uh, she's. I don't think she's been effective at all. So if she's going to do if she's going to do a good job, uh, she's going to have to take her game up from a, from a communications point of view. Is my point of view. There is, and I haven't seen it yet in person, but a 55-foot statue of a Hindu god in Brampton sent you out a column this morning where one person offers that this is something that should be emulated, not scorned. But Scott Reed, a lot of people seem to be very upset about it. 
anything that's 55 feet tall is cool. So I want to go see it. Um, that's just my attitude. And I don't know how people can get wound up about this. Like it's, you know, how many statues of the Virgin Mary are there for Pete's sake? Right. So I, I don't know. Like, it's not like it's a real historical figure. It's not like, oh, this let's have an argument about Sir John A. Um, I mean, it's it's literally the equivalent of uh, of the Virgin Mary. So chill out, people. And again, it's big. That makes it cool. Yeah, Pavan, in one account I saw, they said, well, this is some sort of a foreign deity. No, it's not. It's actually a deity that is respected by a bunch of people who live here in Toronto. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, the, we, we respect all religions, etc. I, I don't know. I it, I looked at the picture of the statue and I saw residential housing in behind it, it's, I think. And, you know, I, I think like all projects, it has to fit the character of the neighborhood. So I'm not so sure it, it makes a ton of sense to to kind of overpower local neighborhoods like that. But whatever, they're, you know, that's uh, it's to each his own or her own. Thanks a lot. Good to have you, Deb Hutton, Scott Reed and Pavan Brach. It's eight o'clock.